Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode number 73 of Soccer Noob Rocket America podcast. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. Joining me as always on the countdown and other duties is my nine-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And together we bring you mini-match previews from all over the globe. Uh, that includes top-flight domestic leagues, uh, liter- from literally any FIFA nation, uh, international tournament matches, that's whether it's clubs or national teams involved. If it's important or if it's just important where it's being played, pretty good chance we're taking a look at it. And as our song suggests, uh, we will be having some fun along the way as well. Matches for this episode are going to cover from Friday through Thursday, as always. Dates March 4 through 10. Let's kickstart things with... March number one! And let's start episode 73 by pulling back the curtain just a little bit on our methodology. We're, we are, of course, Soccer Noob Rock in America. The rock and song tells you so, and so you know. Most of the time... We don't consider any matches from any league unless they are at least five matches into the season or if it's a multi-stage season, like say with Liga MX, Apertura and Clausura, we will look four matches in. But normally we like to wait that long because we want to have a shape for uh, what the league or the conferences are going to look like, how good the teams are. We want to be able to pick out matches that start to really feel important because that's how we pick everything. But we're not going to ignore Major League Soccer. Soccer New Brock in America can't do that and live up to its name. And so we're going to do at least one match until we're five matches into the season. Then we'll start doing two. I say all this to say then how are we going to decide which match to cover since we don't know a lot about all of them yet? Well, I let Person Noob take a look at the MLS schedule and pick. She went with Kansas City versus Houston. Let's find out why. Take it away. Hey, Noobites, as I may refer to you as. Um, so my dad asked me to explain why I chose Houston versus, wait, what was it called again? I remember, but one of our, so my reasons for choosing that is because, well, one, I really like the saying, Houston, we have a problem, and uh, one of my old favorite YouTubers was from it, was up uh, from Texas, was from Houston, wait, which one was it, I don't remember, I don't even care, uh, who was it again? And you know what, person noob? That is as good a reason as any to go with this particular match. 
Some might argue, and maybe even correctly, that it's because it's a really, really good rivalry, Kansas City and Houston. But your reasoning sounds plenty fine to me. It's going to be a great match. Let's talk about it. As far as the series between these two in recent years, Kansas City have just barely had the edge. They've got a 15, and 11, and 13 record. And by the way, you can catch this on Univision at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time here in the U.S. We'll talk about our host first, as we always do, Kansas City. They have won the Major League Soccer Cup two different times, the overall championship, 2013. They also was the most recent one. Uh, they also won the Supporter Shield in 2000. Internationally, some very good recent success. 2019, they had their best ever finish in the Champions League here in CONCACAF land. They made the semifinals. As far as last year, let's look at their stats and how they did, since we don't have much of anything to go on this year so far. Uh, they finished in third place in the West, just three points behind the winning Colorado Rapids, and then they made the conference semifinal. As far as their overall stats, they really shined on offense. Number one in the West, and that was largely because of their Hungarian star power in Daniel Shallow. He's still a fairly young guy, but he got his first three national team caps last year for his home country of Hungary. You'll find him playing striker once again this year. As far as this year goes, they lost their only match so far. That was at Atlanta United, and they lost 1-3. No shame, really, there. Best player that they had going in that particular match was Remy Walter, their French central midfielder, although that's what he's listed as central midfield, but they put him on the right side, and his uh, passing accuracy just soared, rather, 95%, just outstanding. Now, one of the key developments uh, for this team that's going to affect them throughout the season, their center forward from Mexico, Alan Pulido, is out for the year. I think he tore an ACL, some sort of ligament. He came over from Guadalajara in 2019. So now the question is, can their replacement replace his offense? The guy that they got on loan for one of the Serbian clubs is a striker from there named uh, Nikola Nujevic. So we'll see how that goes. The other question is going to be on defense. Kansas City last year, if they play the same way, this could still be a problem, pushes so far forward so often in achieving that great offense that that leaves them incredibly susceptible to counterattacks. So it'll be interesting to see if they uh, have made any formational changes or any philosophical changes and just how hard they are going to be attacking this year. And now Houston Dynamo. Uh, they have also won the MLS Cup twice, most recently in 2007. Internationally, CONCACAF Champions League, they've made the quarterfinals more than once, and that's the best they've ever done, most recently in 2019. That's also the last time they actually made uh, the CCL. Last year, kind of unbelievably, they finished dead last in the Western Conference. I mean, last year was an expansion year, and they even fell behind second-to-last place Austin at the very end. And that is, I, I could hardly wrap my head around how bad the team was. They had the the 12th, uh, the number 12 offense was all in the league. Their defense statistically wasn't much better. Uh, they've got a new general manager, and thank goodness they've got to make some changes. Uh, this year, they've only played one game so far, and they earned a nil-nil uh, draw at home versus Real Salt Lake. Best player they had going in that match was Matias Vera, their Argentinian central midfielder. Almost 90% on his passing accuracy, and he did some nice defensive duty. He was four out of five on his tackle attempts. Now, 
A big issue for them this year is going to be the loss of Max Aruti. He had been playing for them a while. They're Argentinian forward. Traitorous, he moved over to Austin FC. Hopefully, their new GM uh, brought in the right guy for a DP replacement. Sebastian Ferreira from Paraguay is a striker, just 24 years old. They also brought in Steve Clark to do some work in goal. And he brings a lot of experience from his years with a very good Portland Timbers team. And he's also going to have a lot of help on defense. This is probably the team's strength. Their two starting center backs are very big, very fast, very athletic. Going to be one of the stronger pairings in the Western Conference. So the real question is going to be on the offensive side. Match number B. Number B. Number B. It's the new number between one and three. And why not? Because number two is bathroom talk. Join us in a revolution. Be more couth and use number B in your daily lives. And our match number B is certainly something we're going to pay attention to. We're headed to Italy, but not the men's Serie A. This is the Femminile version, where they're just over halfway through the season. The top two teams are going to make the Women's Champions League. And we've got number one, Juventus, taking on number two, Roma. It's going to be quite a match. Right now, Juve lead Roma by three in the table. Roma, in turn, are trying to hang on to at least that second spot. Uh, they lead Sassuolo by two. It's a very young league, just, I believe, four years old. Uh, Juve have played Roma three times. They are 3-0-0 against them. And we'll talk about the host team first. Club was founded in 2017, and they have won the league title every single year. In fact, they're in the Champions League right now. Uh, the three previous iterations, they had only managed to get as far as the round of 32, but this month, later on, they are going to be playing Lyon in the quarterfinals, farthest they've ever gotten. And if they can get all the way to the title match, that would really be something because the final for the Champions League is going to be held in Turin this year, where they are based. Certainly, they will use a bigger venue than what I believe I have found is the official home ground for the ladies' team. They seem to be forced to play in the Juve Training Center, which only has a capacity of like 400 people. I almost wonder if that could be accurate. Maybe they only have some of their games there. In any case, on the field, they've got the number one offense in the league by a little bit, uh, two and a half goals plus per game, and then the number one defense by lots. They only give up about a goal every other match. Got to look out for a team leading scorer with six on the season, Valentina Cernoya, their central midfielder. She actually spent her first seven years of her senior career with Brescia, and then she's been here since 2017. Now, Juve have looked, quite frankly, unbeatable until they got beaten their last match. They lost, of all teams, at number nine, Empoli. So, a chink in the armor. Can Roma take advantage? The She-Wolf, they were founded three years ago. Uh, obviously, they haven't won any titles because Juve's won them all over that time, but they did win the 2020-2021 uh, FA Cup. You don't get an international berth for that, at least not yet. Still, some hardware. Last year, they finished in just fifth place. Uh, this year, very well balanced. Top four offense, top three defense. Team leading score to look for with five is Anna Marina Sertorini. She is a left winger, just 23 years old, and yet she's already been a couple uh, with a couple different teams. She also played for Brescia at another top flight team called Pink Bari, and they have been absolutely on fire. They have won nine straight matches. Is it possible that Roma could get some kind of result? I'm going to guess not at Juve. I've got to think that they're going to bounce back from that uh, loss on the road to number nine Empoli. Match number three. 
More Saturday action and more from the women's side of things. We stay in Europe for England. It's the final of the League Cup. This is the tertiary tournament. Uh, you've got your uh, Women's Super League, and then you've got your FA Cup, and then the League Cup. Just like with the FA Cup, there is no international tournament berth on the line, but it's hardware, and we like looking for high drama stakes. So why not? We're going to go where they're going to left lift big shiny pieces of metal now arsenal have dominated this event the last decade they've won five of the last 10 and they're doing very well in the league but they did not make the final instead we have man city versus chelsea that made it here out of i believe the 23 teams that competed from the top two divisions this is going to be played at a neutral site in wembley chelsea have had the best of it this season they won nil four on the road and then beat man city one nil at home and we'll talk about man city first see if uh they could prove the old adage true that it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. This would be the place that they might be able to do it. They've won this event three times, most recently in 2018-2019. They've also won three FA Cups and one Women's Super League title. This year in the Women's Super League, they're just in fifth place. The offense has served them well, top three, scoring over two goals per match. The defense is where they've been a little bit shakier. They're just sixth place ordinarily out of the 12 teams in the Super League. Uh, scoring leader. She's just 21 years old. They're forward, Lauren Hemp. But don't be mistaken, this is a gal with some experience. She's already got 17 national team caps to her credit. She's been uh, performing with them since 2019. And their form has been just excellent as well. They are 10-1-1 and in their last dozen, and they've won two straight. But now, perhaps your favorites, Chelsea, the two-time defending league champs. They are the team that I think is going to win today. They've also won the uh, FA Cup three times, by the way, and they are the defending champions for this event. Uh, this year in league play, they are in second place behind Arsenal. Not surprising, given what I said before. But their stats really back up that they could both make a move in the league and be the favorites today. They've got a top three offense, but they are number one on defense. And that travels, as they say. They don't even concede a goal every other match on average. The scoring they're going to get largely courtesy of the feats of Vivienne Midema from the Netherlands. She's a forward. And she, talk about your experience, despite just being 25 years old, she has earned over 100 national team caps not to be fooled with and then setting her up number one in league assists is fran kirby their famous forward and tied for number one in clean sheets in league play is their goalkeeper and katrin berger very intimidating match number four oh that's enough of europe for the moment we're going to get plenty more instead let's spend part of our saturday whisking ourselves away to the caribbean Grenada, the Premier League, where the lifestyle may or may not be incredibly relaxed, but the soccer can still be full of high drama, I'm sure. Now, that drama will not come because this is one of the higher-ranked leagues. If the national team is any reflection, uh, which is ranked right above Belize, the uh, lowest team of the Central American teams in CONCACAF, then that at best means that their league is probably only maybe in the top 20 for the whole region. I don't think CONCACAF puts out official rankings for the league associations. But we've got another number B versus number one matchup, and it's pretty late in the season. We always go where the drama is. Now, the last full season that I could find record of was in 2018-19, and they played a double round robin, pretty standard. But nearly as I can tell for this season, they're about to head into their last match, but they've only played a little less than one and a half round robins. So maybe there's more to come, but nearly as I can tell, this is it. 
which would really ramp up the stakes here for number B, Paradise, playing host to number one, Hurricanes. Hurricanes currently lead by two points at the table is all. So if this really is the tag end of the season, all, all Hurricanes need is a tie, but they are on the road. Now, the same source indicates that the winner gets to go to the Caribbean Club Championship International Tournament. My suspicion is that this is not a professional league and that the source I'm looking at uh, put that up prior to the Caribbean uh, Subfederation breaking things up into two international tournaments because they now have the CCC and they have for the uh, semi-professional or mostly amateur league associations, the Caribbean Club Shield. The winner of that can play, I think, the fourth place team for the Caribbean Club Championship for the right to go to the CONCACAF League, which is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. Pretty unlikely for anybody in the Caribbean this small to get that far, but one never knows. And that's all you're going to get out of me for this matchup. This is the time in the podcast where we like to take a look at how we are going to gamble. Let's make some quid off our soccer efforts. And for that, we turn to another other than our 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator, Noobstradamus. Take it away with one of your drug-addled visions, oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Smoke the leafy, drink the fresca. Soccer score prognostication, here we come. As I travel through space and time. I wake in my mind as a version of my far younger self. This was before I became the divination master you know today. Some 3400 plus years ago. I could sense I had these supernatural gifts, but could not channel them like my mentors. You might say, I thought that dreams belonged to other men, because each time I got close, they'd fall apart again. I feared my heart would beat in secrecy. I'm not sure he's really on the Thracian plains of Greece. I think he's in a Motel 6 or somewhere with basic cable because the heart beating in secrecy, yeah, you've been smoking too much of that lotus leaf, my friend. Uh, Don't think that we here on Team Noob are not going to recognize basically your take on the lyrics to the Mike Reno Ann Wilson love theme from Footloose, Almost Paradise. I get it, Paradise, that's one of the two teams here. Okay. Very clever. Are we going to get any kind of score prediction from you? I face the nights alone. Oh, how could I have known that all my life I only need a noob? Almost paradise. We're knocking on heaven's door. Almost paradise. How could noob ask for more? I swear that I can see forever in my mind. Paradise. Match number five. 
No rest for a weary new bite. We're going to launch ourselves over to Africa for the last Saturday match. This is the only Champions League match going on in Africa. They are in the group stage there. It's a very important one. Here's how things set up overall for the event right now. They're in the group stage, four groups of four. Top two from each group are going to advance. Everybody else goes home, plain and simple. Your matchup is number three currently in the group, all Ailey, the massive powerhouse out of Egypt, versus upstart number B right now in the group table, all Merrick from Sudan. Here's how the table looks. They're not quite halfway through the round robin. Um, South Africa's uh, Mamelodi Sundowns, they have seven after three matches. Merrick and Ailey have a match in hand on the other two, and they have four and one point, respectively, and then also tied for uh, last place with all alias, all Hilal Omdurman, also from Sudan. Interestingly, I'm surprised they don't separate those teams out. Let's talk about the African side first, because it's a surprise to see them struggling even a little bit. Now, to get to the group stage, you either have to play in the first two qualifying rounds or just the second qualifying round, and that was the case for a team from as strong a league as Egypt, one of the strongest on the continent. They got to the group stage by just absolutely pummeling a team from Niger, or Niger, uh, USGN. They beat them 7-2 on aggregate. This is the number one seeded team in the group stage, and yet in the two matches they've played, they haven't scored a goal. What is going on? Could there be an answer in how they've been doing statistically in their own Premier League? Uh, no, they're in second place there. Uh, they've got one to two matches in hand against the entire league, and yet they only trail Pyramids FC by one point. They've got the number one offense going, scoring almost three goals per match. So maybe they're just playing things a little uh, you know, close to the vest here in the Champions League so far, or maybe it's a little bit of match congestion and fatigue. They've also got one of the three best defenses. They're one of the only three teams there that don't allow one goal or more per match on average, and they've got the number one overall goal differential. Uh, key man to look for for them who's got to get it going. Uh, tied for number one league scoring, Percy Tao from South Africa. He plays forward for them. Premier League fans, yeah, there's a chance you might recognize his name. Brighton and Hove Albion had the rights to him for two years. I don't think he made any more than something like three uh, senior team appearances, though, if any. Other than that, he was always loaned out. But he's got international experience. He's got almost three dozen appearances since 2015. Now, their best player overall, I believe, is uh, their left back from Tunisia, Ali Maloul. He's got four goals, two assists, real box-to-box -box player. He tries to get out a lot of key passes and does so. He is exceptionally accurate on crosses for his accuracy, independent of the fact that this guy should be mostly playing defense. Team's current form, they are 2-1-1 one, one across all competitions. And now, Merik, again, from Sudan. And they play in the city of Omdurman, which is the biggest city in the country. I believe it's in the Khartoum region. Uh, 2.5 million in the metro east central part of the country. And they are known as the Chief and also the Red Devils. They have 22 league titles to their credit. So they are used to being here. And they were the three-time defending league champions until Al-Hilal uh, beat them just last year. Now, for all that experience, they've actually never once gotten past the group stage so it would really be something if they could get a result in Africa for this match or in Egypt I should say and uh, potentially uh, 
you know, stay in second place and maybe even get to move on for the first time ever. They qualified for this event by finishing second place in uh, the Sudanese Premier League last year. They got to this round. Uh, they had to play the first qualifying round. And in the, the second one, they beat a very good team out of Zambia called Zanico and beat them 4-2 on aggregate. Uh, in the group stage, they actually beat Halal, which is a very nice win for them. And then they got a, a draw against Mamlodi. Uh, they've only played two matches so far in this year's Premier League, so I don't have any real good stats for them. But I will tell you that they are 2-0-0 with a 6 to nothing goal differential working for them. Kittens have needs, and what they are requesting is a recap of last week's matches. I think they speak for all of us. We want to know what happened. Let's take a look. Last Friday, match number one was from the Champions League in Africa, where number three in their four-team group, Amazulu FC out of South Africa, took on number B, ES Saitif from Tunisia, and it was Amazulu getting the mild upset, even though it was at home for them, 1-0. Man, we said to look for Amigo Memela had a goal, and they switched table positions. Match number B from the first division of Gambia was number three, Wa Banjul football versus number B Real de Banjul and it was a 1-1 draw that actually moved Real up to number one and it moved Wa Banjul up to number B uh, but they are uh, tied on points with Waladin who are number one so they're only losing on goal differential Saturday match number three from Major League Soccer uh, Columbus crew and Vancouver Whitecaps it was the crew in an absolute route 4-0 was their win way to get off on the right foot Lucas Zellerian had a goal and assist man that we said to look for, one of their DPs. Sunday, match number four from Croatia's first football league. Uh, number B, Osijek, took on the league powerhouse number one, Dinamo Zagreb, and got it done at home. Uh, Osijek won 1-0, and they switched table positions. Could we actually have what I believe will be a, num a new number one in that league come the end of the season? Match number five, it was the e EFL Cup Final in England, we had Chelsea taking on Liverpool, and uh, the game ended nil-nil after all was said and done, but then Liverpool won it 10-11 to on penalty kicks, went all the way down to the goalkeepers for those. Match number six from the first league in Slovenia was number three, Olympia Ljubljana, <laughs> darn them and their Jays right after the L's, taking on number B, Koper, and the result oh, was a bit of a high-scoring affair, a 2-2 draw. Uh, man, we said to look for for Olympia. Mustafa Nukic had the first goal. Uh, neither of those teams had any change in table position. Match number seven from La Liga. Number B, Sevilla, took on number three, Real Betis. And the result was a Sevilla 2-1 win. Not what Noob Stradamus predicted for us, but that's okay. Maybe he'll get it right this or some other week. Probably not. Match number eight from the second Bundesliga, one of the greatest races in the world. Number B, Hamburger SV, took on number one, Werder Bremen. And the result was a real shootout. Uh, Werder Bremen won 2-3 uh, for Werder Bremen. Uh, Marvin Duksch had two goals, so he picked the right guy to look at last week and then for Hamburg their star Robert Glatzel had a goal and that because the race is so tight actually dropped Hamburger all the way down to number four told you it was a tight race match number nine Tuesday from the Super League in India number one Hyderabad took on number B team new favorite Jam 
Jam Shedpur. We love anything with jam involved, just because we like to say it that way. And the result was Jam Shedpur winning nil to three. They are your new number one, and they lead uh, Hyderabad by two now, and they have a match in hand. It's very late in that season. I think that they're going to be our winners, and we'll get to talk about them more in the next Champions League. That'll be fun. Match number 10 from England's FA Cup, the round of 16 or fifth round. Middlesbrough took on Tottenham Hotspur and got to play host. We uh, picked this one because we thought Middlesbrough would be the most likely non-Premier League team to get a win. And hey, we called it. It took added extra time, but Middlesbrough got the home upset 1-0. Congratulations to them. And then bonus matches with explanations coming later Wednesday. We talked about the Armenian Premier League where number one Ararat Armenia took on number nine in last place BKMA. It was a nil-nil draw good on BKMA for being able to get some kind of result at number one and on the road no less. Wasn't enough to climb them out of last place though. Then the most meaningless match in the world from ten, Tanzania's Premier League. Number nine, Kinandani, took on number eight, Polisi Tanzania, and it was the home side, Kinandani, getting the win 3-0. That moved them up to number six, uh, Polisi, dropped down to number nine. And then finally, your match of disappointing is a Thursday match from Kuwait's Premier League, where number 10 last place, Yormo, took on number nine, Altad Haman, I believe it's pronounced, and the result was very high scoring, and yet unsurprisingly for a match of disappointing, no one gets to win when it comes to the MOD. It was a 3-3 draw. Naturally, there was no change in table position. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking next week's matches by diving back in with... Match number six. We can flip the calendar to Sunday now and bring things on home to CONCACAF, specifically Mexico. Yeah, it's time to take a look at a match out of Liga MX. Been waiting for a really good men's match from there for a while. And boy, do we have one. It's number one, Pachuca, taking on number three in the table, Tigres UANL. Here's how things set up in Liga MX. I know that uh, last year... The top two from each of the stages, the Apertura and Clausura from the regular season, are the teams that got to advance to the upcoming uh, CONCACAF Champions League. I'm not sure. I know within the next couple of years that things are going to be changing a little bit. I don't think they do for next year. Regardless, you want to do very well. You want to get that trophy. And you at least want to make the league playoffs. Now, that's not too difficult these days. You only have to finish in the top 12 in the stage to make the Laguila. But you want to finish in this top four if you want to get a bye and go straight through to the semifinals. Here's how the table looks right now. Pachuca, 19. Undefeated Puebla, as well as Tigres, are at 17, just two back. And then Cruz Azul is three more back at 14. So... The top three really look like they're going to be set for the playoffs, but the key is to finish in those top two and get into the international postseason. Looking at Pachuca first, I've got to believe that this is the first time I've ever covered them because I would have remembered that they've got such a fun nickname, the Gophers. Not golden like in Minnesota, but still pretty cool nonetheless. Uh, Pachuca, by the way, is the capital of the state of Hidalgo in the east-central part of Mexico. This was a big, big mining town until like the mid-20th century, uh, which, just like some areas we covered last week, is why uh, Welsh. there's a lot of Welsh influence down there. Immigrants had uh, come over from the southern part of Wales where they were all mining experts and smelting experts. And in fact, this team was founded by Welsh immigrants. 
In the modern era, the pro era, which I believe goes back to the mid-late 90s, they have won six league titles. Most recent one was the Klausura stage of the 2016 season. They have won the uh, CCL, the CONCACAF Champions League, five times. Hadn't realized it was so many. 2016-17 was the most recent one. Last stage, we probably weren't talking about them at all. They finished number 15 in the Apertura. Didn't even make the Ligila. This year, they're very much, uh, this year rather, this stage, they are much better balanced than in the Clausura of the 2020 or the 2021-22 season. They've got a top three offense, top four defense. Uh, number B league scorers is there to boast of. Nicolas Ibanez, he's from Argentina, center forward. Uh, Real Madrid fans, yeah, this is the guy. Uh, your team had the rights to him from 2019 through 21, but he had always been loaned out to uh, Mexican side Atletico San Luis. He's certainly with a better one now. They've also got uh, one of the top two assist men in the league in Victor Guzman, homegrown midfielder who has been here his entire senior career since 2015. And he is really, really fun to watch, especially in the second half of games. He's a box-to-box guy, but not in the first half. They specifically don't use him on offense in the first half. And in the second half, he sneaks all the way down the middle of the field because nobody's been had to account for him on offense, and he finds himself wide open and gets to make really good decisions, whether it comes to uh, shooting and scoring or uh, passing for assists. Just a joy to watch. And we have a USA connection. I really couldn't find very much on this guy, but they do have a defender who is USA eligible named Fernando Alvarez. The team's form, they have won three straight matches, and they're unbeaten in their last five. In that three-match streak, they have a very impressive 7-2 goal differential working for them. And now the Tigres of UANL, that stands for basically the University of Nuevo León, which I find fascinating that it, you know, it's like the, the territory of the University of the New Lion or Lions, but they've chosen Tigres for their nickname. Good call. There's plenty of Tigres in the world, but even more Lions. That's our least favorite here at Team New. Uh, they are in an area called San Nicolas de la Garza, which is a, a mostly residential area in Monterey. In the modern era, they have won five league titles. 2019 Clausura was the most recent, and they won the CONCACAF Champions League in 2020. So these are two teams not too terribly far removed from plenty of glory. They had a much better Apertura stage than their opponents today did. They made, uh, they made fourth place and then got as far as the semifinals in the Liguilla. This year, number one offense in the league, scoring over two goals per match. But will they be able to truly compete for the title for another couple of months with a defense that isn't as good as any team currently slated for the playoffs. Number 13. Yikes. So that averages out to about a number five goal differential. I think they're going to be right on the edge of uh, getting that buy into the semifinals. And I don't like them for today, to be perfectly honest, or this Sunday, I should say. They do have the number one score in the league, though. Andre Pierre Gagnac, he is from France, striker, 36 years old. He's done a lot of time with uh, French League One teams or yo-yo teams, Marseille, Toulouse, uh, Lorient. But uh, he's been over here in Mexico a very long time. I believe he's retired or at least just not getting selected for international play at this point from France. But he did make three dozen appearances for the national team there between 2009 and 16. As far as the team's current form, uh, they just had a home draw versus Cruz Azul, which is not a terrible result given that Cruz Azul is in fourth. But that just did break a five-match winning streak. Match number seven. 
another Sunday match, and it is an all-time classic. What can I possibly tell you as a noob that you probably don't already know about the Manchester Derby? Yes, I know it's supposed to be Derby, but you know what? Somebody find me another instance of an E in that word that's pronounced like that A, and then maybe we can talk about it. In any case, Manchester City is going to play host this time to Manchester United. They are ranked number one and four, respectively, in the table. Man, you desperately trying to hold on to one of those uh, four Champions League bursts that you get out of the Premier League. By the way, if you want to catch this on TV, you can do so on the USA Network or Telemundo here, uh, stateside, 11.30 in the morning on Sunday. Now, uh, here's how the table looks. Right now, uh, Man City lead Liverpool by six. That's at the time I scouted it. Some games might have happened between then and when you're hearing this, of course. And then uh, Man U, in turn, lead West Ham and Arsenal by two points each is all. That's all I'm going to give you for this one, because like I said, you probably know more about it than I do. So I go in search of information that's only loosely related that we might find fun. Did you know that there is a professional basketball team in Manchester? Yeah, the British Basketball League. It's kind of now basketball. Admittedly, it's like ice hockey. It's in the second tier of uh, games over there behind, uh, you know, uh, soccer and you know rugby and things like that. But nevertheless, they are the home of the Manchester Giants. Taking a look at their 2021-22 season, it's broken up into two parts. The first part is called the BBL Cup. There are 10 total professional teams. They broke up into North and South geographic groups and uh, you know, you know, played, uh, I can't remember if it was a single or a double round robin. I think a double, but in any case, they came out on top and beat Glasgow Rocks by two. Yeah, some of the teams are over in Scotland. Now, the top four of each group actually got to make the playoffs, so they only eliminated one team each. And then the Giants got all the way to the final before losing to the Leicester Riders, 83-69. And to be honest, we shouldn't be surprised by that result, because from everything I was seeing, at least overall for this year's picture, the Southern Division is the much, much stronger one. And now they are in the midst of the second part of their season, the BBL Championship Series. Uh, all the teams in the league, it's a really wide uh, array here. Have Some of them have played all 18 of their games. At, two of them have only played 11. Uh, the Giants are very much in between. Uh, they have played 15 games. They are in fourth place. And based on the number of points that they're earning per game on average or their percent chance of winning, I guess I should say, they're probably going to finish in fourth. And this is uh, the North Division teams, including Manchester, are not as high scoring as the Southern teams, but they don't make enough up enough for it on defense. Now, the top eight teams are still going to make the playoffs, so they'll only eliminate two for the BBL Championship Series, and obviously Manchester Giants uh, are all but mathematically there. I kind of wanted to take a look and see what exactly does professional basketball look like there from a fan standpoint. They play in an area of Manchester called Bellevue. It's east of the city center in an arena that only holds about 2,000. Uh, the team was founded in 2011. They made the top flight the very next year, so they've been playing for a decade, roughly. Their best finish to date in the uh, championship series is just number seven, and that was all the way back in 2014. And it's not like this team's been getting relegated or something, so this is far and away the best season that they have had in, uh, well, ever. And they've got three players from the U.S. on their team. Now, before you get too excited, this is not like some players who go over to, say, uh, China, 
you know, you know, for the money that might be, you know, borderline bench players, you know, bouncing back and forth between the NBA and G League teams. Uh, these guys aren't making that much money and not attracting the same level of player. Probably the best USA player they have based on where he played. Martavius McKnight, he plays guard for them. I think both point and shooting guard. He played his college ball in the U.S. at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Is that Division One? Yes. Should it really be Division One? Probably not. But this is a guy who uh, he did play in the G League for a little bit for the Delaware team, and he's played places like Serbia and Ukraine. So go forth, be free at your leisure. Well, listen to the rest of the show, but then and then you know go get your super highly detailed Manchester Derby details somewhere else. We just thought we'd have a little fun with a different sport. Match number eight. In the year and change that we've been doing this podcast, I don't think that we've ever had cause to code to not one but two different nations twice in the same episode. But we're always going to follow our heart, and our heart goes where the biggest drama is and the highest stakes. We're visiting Italy once again, and why not? They max out as one of the top three leagues in Europe with uh, getting four teams into the Champions League as well as one Europa League and one Europa Conference League berth. These two teams, obviously, looking at Champions League bursts, but which one, if either, is going to be able to take the title? We've got, at the time I scouted it, number one, Napoli, taking on number B, AC Milan. Here's how things look. Napoli and Milan are tied in the table on points. Napoli lead by six on goal differential, and they lead Internacional, or Inter Milan, by two. Now, as far as the overall series between these two, Napoli have had the better of it. 11 wins against 8 draws and 5 losses in recent years. This season so far, it's held the same pattern. They went on the road and won at Milan 0-1 earlier this year. You can catch this one on Paramount Plus at 2.45 Eastern Time here in the U.S. As always, we'll talk about the host team first from Naples. Napoli has two league titles to their credit, but it has been a long time since those fans have seen their boys hoist that trophy. 1989-1990. They are going to be getting after it. They actually won the Europa League the year before that. As far as Champions League uh, 2019-2020 season, they got in and made the round of 16, and that's tied for the best that they've ever done. Last year in league play, they finished in fifth. That was good enough to get them into the Europa League. And then uh, they got out of the group stage, but they had to play one more match, a playoff round match, to get uh, into the true knockout round, and they lost that one. This year in league play, the offense has been passable. They're number six, but the defense... That's where they shine. They've only been giving up a goal on average about twice every three matches. And that's good for the second-best goal differential in the league. Side note, interestingly, because I think that's such a key metric, it's not either of these two teams that has the best goal differential. That actually belongs to Inter. That still makes them my favorite to win the league. Anyway... Napoli, uh, because their offense isn't quite up to snuff, they don't have any top 10 scorers or assisters, so perhaps their most important player is their goalkeeper. Tied for number one in clean sheets in the league this year, uh, David Ospina from Colombia. 122 national team caps he's earned since 2007. Tons of experience, and yet despite being maybe a little bit long in the soccer tooth, he's still very agile, very much known for his reflexes, and he's turned himself, as uh, time has gone on, into something of a, a good sweeper keeper, although some critics say that he's inconsistent. But the best goalkeepers in the world really play that way anymore. 
But uh, I think that one of their uh, sneaky best players and most important might be uh, Fabian. He's a central defensive midfielder them, for them from Spain. Uh, six goals, three assists, so a real box-to-box guy. Doesn't dribble a lot, just likes to sneak up the field. And then his passing accuracy is over 90%. For a defensively-oriented guy, that is prolific and then some. Uh, he's got 15 national t- team appearances of his own for Spain. In fact, he was at uh, Real Batiste in La Liga before he came over to this team. As far as their current form, uh, they're 1-1-2 across all competitions. But don't be fooled, they haven't lost a league match since mid-December last year. Very impressive stretch. And now, Milan, they are known as the Devils. Earlier we had the Red Devils. Now this one is just, oh, I think I did put the S on it. It is just the Devil kind of scary. Anyway, seven Champions League titles to their credit. Most recent one was uh, the 2006-07 season. Uh, They finished last place in their group in the Champions League uh, this year. So they didn't get to go much of anywhere after that. 18 league titles to their credit going back to 1901 was their first one. They won their most recent one 111 years later. The 2010-2011 season was the last time. Last year they finished in second place in league. This year they've got the uh, third best offense, just the fifth best defense. So they're uh, struggling in a little bit of a way that their opponents today are not. I don't think that's good for going on the road. Key players to look for on the assist leaderboard for this team is Theo Hernandez from France. He's a left back, 24 years old. Did a little time with Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, and he earned four national team caps last year, the young fella. But I think their best player is probably uh, Rafael Leo. He is Portuguese, left winger, just 22 years old, eight goals three assists, and despite that, dribbling is probably his greatest strength. He can really move the ball forward from deep and set people up or make his own shots. He's done some time with a Sporting CP over in Lisbon, one of the top three over in his home country, as well as uh, the French League uh, One team, Lille. This team's form, unbeaten in their last seven, although it's worth noting that their last three matches have been draws. It hasn't mattered if it was high scoring or low scoring. They haven't quite been able to get over the hump. Match number nine. Yep, Monday off from your tracking new bites, and we're moving on to Tuesday for UEFA Champions League action, where it's the round of 16, and in fact, the second leg of the home and away ties, and the best-looking one, Salzburg, they're going to be traveling to Bayern Munich with a 1-1 draw in hand from when they played in Austria. But this time they'll be in Germany, and that's going to make it tough. But boy, if Salzburg could knock them out, wouldn't that be something? A team from the littler Bundesliga. And that's all we're going to say about that, because it's always near the end of the podcast that I get hungry and decide that we're going to use soccer as an excuse to learn about world culture. That usually means food. And this time we're going to be talking about a Bavarian historical specialty called Weissverse, which translates to white sausage. Now, when I was first reading and learning about this, I thought that it was white because it was made out of minced, uh, minced veal and uh, pork back bacon you know, in, instead of anything from a cow. But it turns out that's not related at all. The reason it's white or kind of whitish gray is because they don't add any preservatives, and that includes some nitrates that are used in most sausages that are color-preserving nitrates. This And what's really strange is that this sausage has been being made in, in uh, Bavaria probably for time immemorial, the, uh, way before the invention of refrigerators. So that makes it kind of a fun tradition because 
you prepare it in the morning after breakfast, but then you have to eat it before lunch before it starts to go bad. So it's a very traditional mid-morning snack. What are we dealing with here, Bavarian hobbits? I don't know, but they say now with the advent of refrigerators that if you really want to be a-traditional, and this was specific what I found, that it's not considered uncouth to perhaps eat your vice first as late as 1.30 in the afternoon. Ooh, bold culinary choices. It kind of all goes back to a fun expression that says you're not supposed to let your vice first hear the lunchtime church bells. You need to eat it well before lunch. How is it made? Well, in addition to the veal and the bacon, your spices traditionally are going to be parsley, lemon, uh, mace, which I believe is either the same thing or very closely related to nutmeg, onions, ginger, and cardamom. And then the preparation is interesting because not only are they not adding preservatives, they're not even going to bring it to a boil when they make it. You do heat up water, but you only keep the sausage in there for 10 minutes at a sub-boiling point. And then you actually serve the sausages right in the same bowl, or I suppose you could transfer it, but you serve it in the water to help keep them warm. Now, if you really want to eat this in a traditional way, and <laughs> couth, no, uncouth, not very discreet. You actually, it's got the casing on it, of course. You split both ends of the casing open, you know, take it with your fork, and then you can suck the meat out of either end or switch back and forth. Now, some people, again, don't consider that very couth, so the uh, co-traditional way to eat it, want to be more discreet is to uh, split it lengthwise and then sort of roll the meat out of either half right out and then not eat the casing at all this is such a specifically bavarian thing by the way before i forget if you're going to have it don't forget to have it with a pretzel and sweet mustard it is so bavarian that the, the term for this food in this area it is called the white sausage equator because there are some parts of northern Germany that aren't in Bavaria that eat a little bit, but nobody in southern Germany apparently does this. And that's where the culture, both culinary and otherwise, language, everything is different in the southern part of the country. And so it's called the White Sausage Equator. Kind of a fun fact. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Well, not quite done, done, person. We still have got our three super fun bonus matches after this to go. But you've been awesome on the countdown duty and other things as always. For match number 10, I've got to be honest. This is not the most uh, geographically diverse show that we've ever done. But we always go where the drama is, and there is quite a race. A three-horse race going on in the premiership of Northern Ireland. So our last official match... Match takes us there, and I'm stumbling because I'm seeing in my notes that I've typed up it's, that it's the number nine ranked league in all of UEFA. That's not accurate. This is not even a fully professional league, I don't think. They're ranked something like number 42 or something of 55. I mean, they just got passed by uh, nations like uh, Latvia and uh, Little Kosovo, for example. But nevertheless, the champion still gets to go to the Champions League, and so it's a very big deal. And it's also very, very late in the season. They start theirs earlier than uh, most of the rest of Western Europe that isn't comprised of uh, summer leagues. So there are four matches left to go. And then they're going to break up the league in half and play championship and relegation rounds. And that will only go five matches, a single round robin for each group. 
your matchup. Number B, Glenturin versus number three, or number, yeah, number B, Glenturin versus number three, Cliftonville. It is Linfield that actually lead this league. They lead them both, both only by one, though. And then uh, Glenturin and Cliftonville are tied on points. Glenturin are ahead by just two on goal differential. But earlier this season when they played, it was Cliftonville that won 1-0 at home. So time to see if Glenturin can get some revenge. Cliftonville have had the best of it in recent years, though. They've got an 18-5-10 and 10 record against their hosts. And we will talk about the hosts versus Glenturin. That word, if I'm pronouncing it right, or even if I'm not pronouncing it right, come to think of it, means valley. I believe that's from Irish Gaelic, uh, Gaelic but I know the word means valley in a couple of languages. The team plays in Belfast, as about a third of the teams are there in the capital that are here in the top flight league. Uh, give you some perspective on where their team falls in comparison to other nations. Uh, again, not the number nine rated league in the world, or in Europe rather. The club is ranked number 444 by UEFA, which puts them just ahead of Trey Penne, which is in the microstate enclaved in uh, Italy of uh, San Marino. <laughs> Nevertheless, they're very good domestically here. They've got 23 league titles, at least if you go back far enough. Their first one was in 1893-94. Their most recent one was uh, 2008-09 season, so it's been a little bit. They're ready. Uh, 12 Champions League appearances historically, but they've only won three different times, so you can imagine they haven't really gotten anywhere. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. They got to go to the brand-new Europa Conference League this year, but they lost in the first qualifying round. This year, statistically, it's the offense where they're scary. They almost get two goals per match. That is number one in this league, but the defense is barely above average. And the overall goal differential is just second place. This team is not my favorite to win it. And I'm going to be real honest. I won't go into the specifics, but I'm really glad to hear it. I will never, ever root for this god-awful team after what I've learned. They've got the number one league score. And he's number one by quite a bit, an Englishman named Jay Donnelly, who, on, in my opinion, ought not ever be on a on a pitch, quite frankly. He spent his first five years with Cliftonville. Then he committed a a fairly heinous crime. And if you like women, and who doesn't, or who shouldn't anyway, uh, he did a three-month sentence for what he did and should have done a lot more. And in case any of Person Noob's friends are listening, that is all I will say about it. So Cliftonville had the sense to drop this hot potato. And for some reason, Glentron scooped up their dog poop because that's what this guy is. Anyway, <laughs> wow, yeah, I really don't like it. <laughs> the team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three, and they uh, had a 6-4 uh, and four goal differential over those three matches. And now the team I will be rooting especially hard for, Cliftonville, Ireland's oldest club at 142 years. Uh, they play out of a suburb of north, uh, northern Belfast area. They've got five league titles. Uh, last one was 2013-14, and that was actually uh, their second of two in a row. Uh, they got to play in the Champions League, of course, both times, but they went in and right out of both at the second qualifying round level. Uh, 2010-2011 season, they made the third qualifying round of the Europa League. That's the best they've ever done internationally. This year, very well balanced, although not in the top two in, in offense or defense, just a little bit further down. And they've got the number three overall goal differential, which is why I actually think that Linfield are going to be the team that takes the lead. That's a really key metric for me, and Linfield leads the league in that regard. Uh, 
man of the match possibility for Cliftonville. They've got the number four lead, leading scorer in Ryan Curran. Team's current form, they have won four straight and are unbeaten in seven. So I guess if anybody can give a Linfield, give Linfield a run, it would be these guys. Uh, they've got a six and one goal differential over those four straight wins. Although it is worth noting that those were all in home matches. And now they're on the road. Bring forth the bonus matches. And just what are, pray tell, the bonus matches? Well, you'll find out as we go. But one of the most important things about them, it is content that you have helped decide what it was going to be. I put up polls usually on uh, Mondays or Tuesdays for the three candidate matches, which are much different than all of our other ones. We see who their winners are, and magic content happens. It is glorious. But is what what is not so glorious is that our first match is usually a first versus last place matchup that we call the route of the week. But this time, it is we who have been routed here at Team Noob. Because the one that you voted on, so perhaps you got routed as well, was to be a Sunday match from Guinea's League One between number one Heroia and uh, number 14 in last place Olympic Flame. But alas, for some reason or another, we have not determined yet, that has been posted. Postponed. So let's move right on to our second match, Person Noob, and sing our strangely happy tune. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> what other podcast out there, I ask you, has the heart to shine a spotlight on two teams that are just perfect middlers in their league. Welcome to the most meaningless match. You voted for a Wednesday match out of Kenya. Their Premier League is ranked number 19 uh, in all of Africa. They get to send just their champion to the Champions League. You have to be in the top 12 in the African coefficients to send two. Two teams are going to get relegated. One team is going to have to fight for their lives in a relegation playoff. And these two teams, at just over halfway through the season, are probably not going to have to aspire or worry to or about either one because we're going to talk about number nine Talanta versus number eight Bandari. They're not going to get a sniff of uh, glory or uh, mayhem, if you will. Uh, they are tied on points in the table. Bandari currently lead by six on goal differential. Giving an idea of where they are, in the overall table compared to the teams that quote-unquote matter. They trail number one, Kakamega Homeboys. Make your own joke there. And don't forget to spell Homeboys with a Z because they do. Trail them by 13. And then they lead number 16. That's third to last place. The RPO slot. And Zoya Sugar by 12. These guys ain't going nowhere. They played earlier this season. Bandari got the home win 3-0. Time to see if Talanta can even the score. They are hosting this match in their home of Nairobi, the capital. This is a club that's fairly young, just founded a decade ago. They play in Ruaraka Stadium, R-U-A-R-A-K-A. No matter how many times I tried to pronounce it, I couldn't get there. It's only got a capacity of 4,000, and it's actually the home of a much stronger team, Tusker FC. But right now, one of the organizations uh, that's a part of uh, Talanta's makeup, if you will, is trying to find them a better home, and that's UNICEF. I don't know if UNICEF is one of the organizations that mans the talent promotion program that's taking place in this country and three others that is the reason that Talanta basically exists, but I know they're involved. 
Essentially, to play for this team, you have to be a graduate of the Talanta Academy. And that's probably the reason they'll never do super, super well until they kind of break that and expand the player pool out of which they're willing to recruit. I don't know if this is their first time in the Premier League or not, but I can tell you for sure that they were in Division Two last year, what is called the Super League in Kenya. Don't know if they won it or not, but they did finish high enough to get promoted. This year, a perfectly nearly middling 7, 6, and 6 with a 22-4 versus 24 against goal differential. Their stats a little bit more varied. This is a team, team that's not too bad on offense, actually. They're tied for 7, but they more than balance that out with having a really awful defense, one of the worst four in the league. Team's current form, they are 1-0-2 one, one, in their last three with just a 1-3 and three goal differential. So even the offense is slipping a little bit of late. And now we'll talk about Bendari, the Dockers, because this is a coastal city. I uh, assume there's no relation to the infamous Pants. They are out of Mombasa, which is the second largest city in the country. It's on the southeast coast. They're on the Indian Ocean, about three and a half million in the greater metro. Uh, it's a town that big. You can't say there's one thing that's key to the economy, but perhaps their biggest thing that's growing is they are very heavily a tourism economy now. And part of that that's interesting is everything in what's considered the old town district of Mombasa and the central business district, they are requiring that all those buildings be painted white and what's called Egyptian blue. If you've ever been to or seen pictures of Cairo, you know that that's a very traditional thing in that particular city in Egypt, not the whole country, but at least in Cairo. And rather than do their own thing, I guess they've just decided to copy Cairo. Their goal, according to some organization they're involved in tourism, is to be the most photographed city in all of Africa. I don't know if Cairo is or not, but if you want to be, I think you've got to come up with something unique. Why not orange and white? instead of the specific same Egyptian blue. Anyway, back to the footy. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. They've uh, never won a league title. They've made the Confederation Cup twice. That's their version of the Europa League. Uh, never made any noise there, though, either. They are 6-9-4 this year with an 18-14 to 14 goal differential. They have kind of the opposite strengths and weaknesses of their opponent today. Their offense really struggles. They're well in the bottom half of the league, but they've got a top-four defense. As far as the team's current form, though, apparently the defense hasn't been enough. They're winless in their last eight, although it's not quite as bad as it sounds. They do have five draws over that stretch. But so what's interesting is that all of those matches have been super low scoring. There's only been uh, zero or one goal scored in all of them, except for the uh, nil-two loss that they uh, suffered at Tusker, again, one of the better teams in the league. Now, normally, I like to give you uh, a most meaningless player for each of the teams, but it was hard to find very much reliable player information as far as stats. So instead, like last week, a most meaningless fact. Did you know the Thika or Tika Dam is 63 meters high, 458 meters crest length, and it is an earth-filled dam on a river of the same name near Endakani, which is a smaller town about 50 kilometers north of Nairobi. The reservoir it creates has a storage capacity, one of the biggest in the country, of 70 million cubic meters and serves for the drinking supply for the city. About 40% of the country, or Nairobi, the city rather, does not have working uh, pipes or a lot of the time any pipes in their home. They have to get their water at, uh, at kiosks, but it by and large all comes from this reservoir. And now, dear new bites, if I may still refer to you as such, we have reached once again 
the true end of our podcast road, the 13th, well, I guess in this case, 12th, since we didn't really have a route of the week match, our second and final bonus match. It is one that consists of two sad sack league bottom feeders that you have voted on. Welcome to the match of disappointed. And the one you have voted for certainly has two teams worthy of our scoring. Saturday in the Australia A-League men, we have number 11 second to last place Central Coast Mariners playing host to the even somehow more putrid number 12 last place Brisbane Roar. Now there's no relegation, lucky for these two, but I, I, I hear rumors of thinking about implementing it just to get rid of these losers. Maybe not. I might have made that up. That's also a possibility. But something interesting about this league, and I think it's unique, at least among top flights, is if you don't finish uh, higher than the bottom four in the league, you don't get to play in the next year's FA Cup. Now, that's not nearly as bad as relegation, but it is something, and we need to give them some sort of mark of cane or something so that everybody remembers just how awful they really are. Here's how the table looks. Uh, Central Coast Mariners uh, lead by four on goal differential. So on points of the table, they are equally stinky. The two of them trail Western Sydney Wanderers and Perth Glory by just one point. So in fairness, there is some hope, but we're not going to latch onto it on their behalf. They're going to have to show us. Let's start with Central Coast Mariners. They play out of a town called Gosford that's less than 50 miles north of Sydney. It's got about 175,000 people, but in a way that's sort of hard to define because uh, I believe the official sociological term is... uh, it's a peri-urban area in Texas or other places around the U.S. They might simply call it sprawl. There's just a huge swath of mileage between uh, this area and others and Sydney. There's just a mix of uh, urban development and then just undeveloped uh, or underdeveloped rural area. I also think that the city, from what I read, is somewhat retirement village heavy. So once you're used to society to some degree has... Uh, pretty much dissipated Gosford in this area you could go. And I think that's appropriate that this really bad team is there because their usefulness has pretty much gone away. And they should be doing better for amongst other reasons than they do have some good connections to a couple of uh, English clubs that aren't too bad. Uh, Sheffield United that are currently in the championship are actually financially invested in the team which makes the second relationship they have, this one with an English Premier League team, kind of confusing. Uh, They have a player development relationship with the Toffees of Everton. Interesting. As far as honors, they have two premiership titles. The premier titles means they won the regular season, most recently a decade ago. And then they've also got one championship, which means they won the playoff title. Last one was 2013. They've been to the AFC tournament three times, but they've never been past the group stage. Pretty sure they've always gotten a start there. Most recent one was, of course, 2013-14. And now Australia, I say AFC, and just in case that's confusing for any newer listeners, Australia joined uh, the Asian Football Confederation, oh, about... uh, a dozen years ago or so and right about the time that happened is when this club was founded yeah there it is in my notes uh founded in 2005 and then australia joined the afc in 2006 last year this team finished in third place so oh how the almost mighty have fallen they've got a woeful three two and seven record uh their offense and defense are both just a little bit worse than average i i think that means this team's got a little bit of hope i give them a coin flip chance actually of being able to climb out of the top four and even if we're this on the road i would call them the favorites today 
Best player they've got going and on the league scoring leaderboard is Oliver Bozanich. He is a central midfielder, homegrown, 33 years old. Probably, I'm going to guess, of Croatian uh, heritage. I know that there are a lot of people uh, with names similar to that that are Croatian and that there was a lot of immigration to Australia some decades ago. Uh, Oliver, he came up with Reading, actually, which is, I believe, currently a championship league level team, but they had always loaned him out. Uh, when they loaned him out, it was to Engl- other English clubs, but usually at the fourth or fifth level, so just barely professional, to be perfectly honest. Uh, now, since this is a match of disappointed, we're going to give some grief to their worst player, and as so often the case, it is the goalkeeper who is the problem. Mark Romano Birigidi. Sounds Italian, probably his lineage, but he was born in Australia, and they would probably like to give him away to Italy or anybody else they could. He has only got two clean sheets in the 11 appearances he's made. He spent one year with Swansea City, actually, but he made no appearances. Apparently, even the Welsh of Swansea City recognize uh, just what a non-asset this guy was. As far as the team's current form, they have lost three straight, and they are winless in their last eight. In that losing streak, they only have a three and six goal differential. In their ever so slight defense, those last three matches were all on the road. Maybe they can start to turn it around on the at home. Probably not. Although if they're going to do it against anybody, why not Brisbane? The club is named after the town of the same name. Uh, it's the number three largest city in Australia, a greater metro area of about two and a half million or so. It is named for uh, Scottish words that mean bone and break, uh, briz and bane. The bane sounds like a little bit closer to a cognate anyway. But it's really broken around here is not broken. Just the kind of soccer they're playing being played that, that is being played. Wow, now all of a sudden I'm stuttering. That's very disappointing. Eek. Anyway, two premier titles. Last one was 2013-14. Three championship titles. 2014 was the most recent one. They got the double that particular year. Last year, like their opponents today, they did much better. They finished in fourth place. Not good enough for international play, but it didn't have them anywhere near the match. It disappointed. The issue is offense. They could not kick a ball and hit the broadside of a barn. They're tied for worst in that category. They don't even score one goal per match. The defense is actually tied for fourth best in the league. And yet the offense is just so unfathomably bad that they still have tied for the worst goal differential. I know I like to say defense travels, and I've said it this show, but this team, I believe, is going to finish in uh, second to last place. They're not going to get a sniff of getting out of the bottom four. If I'm wrong, it will probably be because their top 10 league score, and the only guy getting any of that done for them is Nikola uh, Milusnitz. He is a uh, winger that they rely on heavily. He played for Randers over in Denmark uh, just a couple of years ago. And what's really interesting about this guy is if a soccer career doesn't work out, which if you're with Brisbane means it sounds like it's not, he's got a master's in petroleum engineering. Interesting. Their goalkeeper actually isn't that bad either. He's tied for number three on uh, uh, clean sheets for the league for the year. Macklin Freak, F-R-E-K-E. He's got a cool last name that's not so disappointing. He's just 23 years old. He's got plenty of time to get to a much better club, maybe even somewhere else in Asia. The worst player that they have going, though, the most disappointed award goes to Jack Hingert. He is their right back. He's been here since 2011, and for some reason, the team has not had the sense to get rid of this fool. Admittedly, defensively, he's not the most, he's not the worst tackler in the world, but he doesn't get a ton of interceptions. He doesn't get a ton of clearances. 
And he's a really mediocre passer when he does touch the ball. So, you know, other than getting physical with some guys here and there, I don't even know what this guy's doing. He doesn't have any goals or assists. And that's despite the fact that not only does he play right back, but he actually plays uh, some of the time all the way up at right midfield. I mean, got to get something done. Uh, maybe when his soccer career is over, he could, which should be soon, he could be like uh, the witless cabana boy for the other guy who's got the uh, petroleum engineering uh, master's degree. In any case, the team's form is 1-0-2 in their last three, and they are a pitiful 0-5 goal differential over those last two matches, which, as you would imagine, were their losses. And now, instead of wishing either of these teams good luck, that is not our way. We do not end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather we suffer with you, dear Newbites, with the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. And so we will send these sad sacks off in our traditional and appropriate fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was And that'll put a bow on it, believe it or not. Yeah, that's how we end it. This has been episode 73 of Soccer Noob Rocket America mini previews podcast. Thank you so much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former interno inferno who still helps me with all his inspiration and creative efforts. Loved your work on the website days. Love what you're doing now. And of course, big kisses for my daughter, Purse Noob. Thank you so much for helping me out. And thank you to you so much for listening. We know you've got a lot of choices. We've endeavored to make something really unique for you here, a different format and a different style. We'd like to think than anything else that is offered out there. Uh, if you liked it or think you know somebody who would at the very least, uh, please share us with your footy-minded friends. We'd appreciate it. Don't forget to look at us, uh, look for us rather, or look at us, whatever, on Twitter. I don't know how it works. Soccer Noob USA is the handle there. We would love to uh, not only talk about the bonus matches, but anything you want. So until we do it again next time in a few days, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.